Welcome back to <laughs> To The Table. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by the wonderful creator of this series. This is Peter Martinez in a very jolly, jolly mood. Um, because, of course, I mean, how else... When, when, what other mood could you be in the middle of a pandemic? How are you doing, Peter? Great. Yeah, you see? What did I tell you? Um, this is going to be the third installment, and I believe final installment, of our Tron Month uh, series. Unless Peter has like a fourth Tron-related thing there hidden in the wing somewhere. There is nothing else Tron-related <laughs> to throw at you. Um, so yeah, uh, for those not aware, for the last month, uh, Peter and I have been, uh, going back and forth over the legacy, no pun intended, of Tron, the Tron franchise with the first film in 1982, and of course the second film in 2010. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'd recommend you listen to those episodes because they, uh, kind of vary in terms of, uh, reception, uh, amongst ourselves, so... And with today, uh, this being the final installment, this also marks something of an occasion because this is the first time in the history of the show, you know, we usually hand off movies and we review movies, but mm -hmm. this is the first indication that, or the first time we're doing a television series. Um, of course, the caveat being this was a very short-lived, um, <laughs> limited run, 19-episode uh, first season on Disney XD, which was a... Um, in, Midquel, I guess you could say, uh, between the first Tron series, pre-sequel, yeah, and the second Tron movie. So this is Tron Uprising. Um, before we get into that, and mm -hmm. I'm sure Peter has you know description and stuff he want to says. Um, something I'm not sure we uh, going back into last week's episode about because. Um, not only last week, but then also in the previous episode, we had uh, a lot of speculative talk about um, the behind-the-scenes situations uh, and how Disney really went all out for this um, in the early 2010s and what they had hoped that this franchise would be um, and how disappointed they were with the results of uh, or with the box office of Tron Legacy. Um... And we mention this quite often in other shows, but it's a, it, I don't think we mentioned this at all, but 2010 was, in many ways, the beginning of where the modern-day Walt Disney Studio is, with its live-action department in particular. It kind of is a tale of two movies in terms of how they did. So, on the one hand, we had Tron Legacy, which... I think was the biggest uh, hope that Disney had for this movie. And the hope was for it to be a smash all around the world. It was a modest success, but I think it was, I, I'm not even sure if it cracked $500 million worldwide. Um, and again, back then, different standards. That being said, on the other foot <laughs> was the uh, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Um, which if we're all aware of, and we should be, that easily crossed the billion dollar mark in that same year. And as we know, in the direction the studio went, which was live action remakes, cheap, yeah, live action remakes, cheap knockoff remakes of the animated movies. And, um, you know, 
it's all uh, the money doesn't lie. And um, I think that's we, we can kind of trace it back to that year and how it goes or how it went with the kind of live action films that they were um, making. And I've, I've also um, have read that there were even talks, I believe even in early 2015, of the third Tron movie still going, which brings up another issue about Disney taking way too long when it comes to moving like sequels like alice uh, through the looking glass came out six fucking years after <laughs> alice in wonderland Yeah, you gotta capitalize on that success yeah that's the, that's just not how um this market works nowadays and i i think they they still don't get that or they don't care because they do lose a lot of money with these movies um like fucking artemis fowl what that was a waste of money and they they spent a couple of million dollars on that and all of it just to be on Disney Plus. But in any way, any uh, you know 2015, how long they've been yeah. making that movie? A long time. I remember being <laughs> elementary school, picking up an you... Artemis Fowl book uh-huh. and on uh, the back saying, you know, soon to be, uh, you know, l- soon to be made into a movie or, or whatever you're kidding me i'm not kidding you <laughs> that's how long it's been in um i don't know just gestation from the house of mouse that should kind of tell you all you need to know about how flawed they are in their approach to making movies at all but um, in 2015, it was officially confirmed that Tron 3 wouldn't be happening. At least that's when the studio made it public that any plans for any more Tron movies were scrapped. And many point to the disastrous fail of uh, Brad Bird's Tomorrowland movie with George Clooney as being the you know the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and remember that same year, another dichotomy, Cinderella, big success. And... Um, Scrap it, it we're going all in, and the animated mm-hmm. live-action remakes. It, it just seems like what I've been saying for years is that every single chance that that there is a live-action film of, I don't know, that's at least somewhat different, it, it always fails. That being said, most of them ended up, end up being bad movies in general, so you can't really be too sad about it. But when when it comes to the money, you kind of really... It, it, the picture becomes to be a lot clearer about what happened and where we are right now. So I wanted to get that out of the way with as just more information about, you know, the behind the scenes, you know, with Tron and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But I mean, if you want to talk more specifically about what we will be discussing today, this show was obviously put into production at around the same time as the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in an effort to try to capitalize and turn it into their next big thing. Yeah, I think that 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 in and of itself should really speak volumes about how much effort they really did, at least in the beginning, uh, and how how much they thought of it. Because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know. I know that that uh, at some point. The Tron Light Cycle theme park attraction, and I think it was in Shanghai, but that was, I think, a few years later. I want to say 2016 when it opened. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think, a little bit of a separation there. 
Um, but uh, there was a lot of marketing in the theme parks for Tron. I know that um, in California Adventure Park, they had like a nighttime dance party themed to Tron. So there was a, you know, a pretty, you know, vigorous uh, effort to push this. Yeah. But then it all collapsed. But then they bought Star Wars and Marvel and you can't compete with the, you know, yourself. And um again, this is why Disney should just not own everything. And I saw yeah. someone make this point like they said something along the lines of like thank god um disney was only able to acquire the muppets and not like sesame street or dark crystal <sighs> otherwise god. you know <laughs> they'd be in well, the same would phase be happening yeah they, <laughs> they, they'd just be in another storage in the back maybe you'd get some plushies at disneyland be like, hey, you remember, you like it. We're not going to do anything with them, but buy this merchandise, you know, maybe at these select stores. And Dark Crystal, especially, it had a resurgence with the Netflix yeah, series. Yeah, they had a fantastic series. Sesame Street going strong. Elmo has his own. On HBO Max yeah, now, Elmo so has I mean. his own fucking dog show. This shit wouldn't be happening. The Muppets, they, again, the same thing with Tron. They kind of tried to bring him back. They felt like, eh, not good enough. Back into your hole. Muppets. It's it's the ever frustrating tale with Disney because as far as the Muppets are concerned, I quite liked their efforts. I think you're a big fan of the Muppets ABC television show. Yeah. And I loved the live the, action uh, movies that went to theaters. Similar to Tron Uprising. One season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The Muppets is lucky in that it got a sequel, but other than the sequel, it's kind of the shared same shared fate as Tron. Like, I just, at the very least, though, and I think we can we can say it across the board when it came to the Muppets 2011 movie, the Muppets Most Wanted, and then also the, the Muppets uh, docu series, mm -hmm. um, well, docu style series. I think the quality was pretty good. It's just for whatever reason the audience wasn't there. At least okay. not on the right mediums. I mean, the movies were successful. I know that, that Muppets Most Wanted wasn't as financially successful as the first one, but they were they were making a profit. They weren't hitting billion home runs. Like... Yeah. And that's kind of your point, right? Is that it's, it's not really a success to Disney unless you're like in the billion dollar club. Yeah. That's the so issue. So it's like, we'll yeah. keep you to have comment, com, um, content on our streaming service and sell plushies. But other than that, we're not going to do shit with you. Um, that being said, Fan Stick has now made its debut on Disney+. Plus. How And that wonderful. should speak volumes about how much they don't really have they to offer you They don't know what Disney to do Plus. with Disney+. Plus. <laughs> They're just throwing shit at the wall. They put Fantastic Mr. Fox on there. What the what fuck the was that? What the cuss was that about? <laughs> But that also tells you, it's like they have a whole, literally, they have an entire uh, vault of classic 20th Century Fox films that they're just sitting there. They're just going to sit on it because it's theirs and hmm, sucks oh to gosh. suck. All right. We, we need to get into this. Okay. 
Yeah, I apologize, but I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's frustrating. I, it's somewhat of a relevant side rant that kind of speaks to the... Well, it is the parent company right behind this series, which you and I find frustrating in terms of how little it was actually explored into. So, yeah. Okay. Let me read the synopsis, which mm-hmm. is by Wikipedia, not a our usual sponsors letterboxed. Because, because it is a TV is show, a TV not a movie. Show, not a movie, so... Oh, well. Okay, here we go. Beck is a young program who becomes the leader of a revolution inside the computer world of the grid against the villainous Clue and his henchmen. A mechanic, he is trained by Tron, the greatest warrior of the grid has ever known. Tron not only trains Beck in the fighting and light cycle skills to challenge the brutal military occupation of the city of Argon, but also guides and mentors him to grow beyond his youthful, impulsive nature into a courageous and powerful leader. Beck adopts Tron's persona and becomes the enemy of General Tesler and his oppressive forces. Ah. And just a little bit more uh, about uh, the series. Mm -hmm. It did win two Annie Awards. Um, the Annie Awards are in particular Annie Trophy Animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it won for character design in a television production unit and then also production design in a television production unit. And it also won for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation Art Direction. Ooh. An Emmy Award, a Primetime Emmy Award. So that's more than all other shows out there. Mm hmm. And, um, yeah, so that's where we are. Okay. Um, I really like this show. Uh, I told you last time that I felt it was at the quality of at least first, second season, Clone Wars, Star Wars, Clone Wars. And it had a lot of potential, but like everything drawn starts out wonky has a lot of potential was about to meet it done you know (laughs) it doesn't move on for whatever reason well the reason is always money and the lack of traction with audiences which sucks but yeah to me again i know you felt differently based on our uh, last week's discussion but i felt as if with each project with the name Tron on it, it mm-hmm. started to better realize itself um, from the original to the legacy. Let to me just clarify, mm-hmm. Peter, right there. Um, I don't. I didn't disagree with that. With that assertion. Okay. Okay. No, I, I want to be clear. Like mm-hmm. legacy, I think build on the potential of Tron from the previous film. So, okay. just to be clear about <laughs> that. Flip flop Hillary here, but okay. <laughs> Go back and listen to the episode. I might make that pretty clear. So, listen to it's the there. tapes. Yep, it's there. I stand by it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this one is the one I was probably most interested in how you would react to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, now you've seen it. Nineteen episodes. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think this is just day and night from the other two, even from the first. Um, Tron film you know because like the first uh, Tron film I was very interested in what it is or what it was and that was that's kind of what was captivating about it it was quirky it wasn't yeah it wasn't necessarily solidly positive I mean I wouldn't call it a good film Mm -hmm. 
but it did a lot of good stuff. Tron Legacy um, had a lot of good elements in it, um, but it was bogged down for me by a lot of um, generic stuff that uh, just made it um, overall a disappointment. Um, this is, I think, probably the only Tron thing I will say that this kind of got an overwhelmingly positive response from me. Um, it wasn't, you know, there aren't really any significant drawbacks to Uprising that the first Tron and Legacy have in spades, I would say. Um, it was interesting reading about the inspiration behind the look of the, of the show, which in and of itself is beautiful. Um, but I, I, the fact that the, at the time, I think it was 2010, 2011 when this thing aired and I was reading that the Clone Wars was in and of itself an inspiration for the direction and the look, uh, and feel of the show. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> it's nevertheless frustrating in a different perspective in that finally I'm enjoying quite enjoying uh something that has the name tron in it and then of course (laughs) it's like watching act one of a movie and then that's it that's it that's all they filmed and then they run out of money (laughs) so i mean this is just it it, it's it's a very frustrating franchise (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but overall, I liked it quite a bit. I mean, I and and I mean, for a lot of reasons, the 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 look, the music, I think the overall writing, the strength, the fact that we actually have characters. Hey, we have some characters for a change. That that I think does a world of difference. Um, the world building, I think, is really superb in a lot of areas. I get an actual feel for what this is now that the other films just didn't give me. So overall, I think this kind of made me understand what about this can be really great so that's where we can begin well just to add to the fact that um they really tried to make this a thing and put a lot of money into it uh Mm -hmm. the main character is voiced by elijah wood they they brought in (laughs) bruce uh box to be the original Tron to voice Tron, mm-hmm. Mandy Moore right. voiced Mara, um, <laughs> Lance uh, Henriksen, who is a pretty pretty famous actor. Uh, he voiced General Tesler. Like they got some. Oh, um, Paul Rubens. Uh, do you know who Paul Rubens is? No. Um, maybe I I might maybe a face. I, I don't know. I don't name, know but... why it's escaping me right now. Pee Wee Herman. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that makes it pretty clear. He voiced Pavel. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot. That makes too much sense. <laughs> so they got some heavy hitters to come in and mm-hmm. do this show. Like it's clear yeah. they were trying to create something. But then, you know, why chase after Star Wars when you can own Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right off the bat, 
just you know to build on what you were saying characters aren't they great i know (laughs) isn't that such a novel idea it just makes me think wow how much i could have how much more i could have enjoyed dunkirk if they had some (laughs) you know um you really gonna kick uh christopher nolan when he's down Oh, boo-hoo. His movie got pushed back two more weeks. I mean, what, am I supposed to throw a pity party? Well, you know it's not going to be the last time, so. Oh, no. That movie is not coming out. It's no movies are going to come out. No. They just have to, like, for them, they have to, like, pull the bandit off slowly, I think. It, they, they still are not coming to terms. It took us, what, four months to get to the worst we've ever been? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you think we're going to turn it around in a month? I, I honestly, God, it might not change until we get a new president, and then they just the shift in government will just yeah, it's gonna have to require that at so. this point probably. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want more COVID nineteen talk, check out Red Spala Entertainment. We have a weekly yeah. uh, podcast where we talk about not just COVID but mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff. Okay, so uh, you know I'm bad with names, but Beck. You know, you have your main yes. character, and then what I like is it's very, um, again, it's very Star Wars, <laughs> maybe even more so than before Star Wars uh, would have realized, because you have Tron, and Tron is finally a fully realized character. I know, right? Show. That was that was kind of like, and I whoa, liked him. In you this, matter. And I you matter for a change. It's like the franchise is named after you, but you've never fucking mattered <laughs> in the movies. You were just kind of there. Um, but in this case, they they make him into a character. Yeah, and he's great. I yeah. I really like him as 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 the character, and I like how. He's basically, again, the Luke Skywalker where he's like revered by everyone. Like, oh, he's the hero Tron. He saved the grid. And his name and his image is sort of meant to inspire people to rise up against Clue. And Mm -hmm. what's, what's great about Clue is he's very much in the shadows or just like back you know because right now you're dealing with one city argon within the grid and clue isn't there for most of it you see like one shot of him in the first episode and then some flashbacks Mm -hmm. and then another point with uh, another character but then uh, i don't want to drive around too much but then there's a great cliffhanger and then (laughs) credits to the whole show but it, I, I love the way Clue was realized. I thought Beck is a really good protagonist. And they put him in situations that I think are interesting uh, along mm. the way. Um, him and, uh, what's her name, Paige? The mm-hmm. the uh, bad... Commander Paige. Yes. They they very much got a Ray, reverse Ray and Kylo thing going on. Which... Yeah, they do. <laughs> Which they do indeed. Again, I like and so much shit is set up really well. And right. then you get excited like, "Oh, I can't wait to see where this goes." <laughs> it goes in the garbage. That's where it goes. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but it's like all of what you're saying is like, you know, the characters, not only are they not reduced to interesting personalities, but like, hello, the introduction of nuance really benefited this this uh, world really well. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that I uh, saw that was even, I think, attempted in many ways beforehand. No. Like, and maybe, and maybe it has a lot to do with the fact that you can be, you kind of have to do this in a television format rather than a movie. Movie. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's kind of like what you said. It's it's the reverse of what we know went behind the making of both Tron movies, where very much the people were almost exclusively devoted to the effects and making that be basically the movie. Yeah. And here you very much get the impression that there was a lot of thought and focus on character, story direction, the the beginning of arcs, of course, we never will see the completion of, but we know where they were going. Mm -hmm. A lot of great setup was done here. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like, just to name, there's there's a few stands out, but I I think my favorite sort of arc, or Mm -hmm. like, um, not arc, but it was like a two-episode uh, one storyline to be continued type shit was um oh, let me bring up the character's name because I know I want to remember names but I'm very bad. Did we at just it. mention her? Uh oh, it's when Dyson comes to the city. Oh, and okay. you see Tron kind of lose his shit. Yeah, and and Beck, you know, the whole time Beck's like, like, yo, what's going on with you? Like, and 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 Tron is kind of just has this. He kind of forgets the whole revolution they're trying to start, um, and kind of goes singularly on revenge. But then you mm-hmm. also get flashbacks to important events, events that you see in the film, uh, Tron Legacy, but they right. they add more to it like you you see the way things were back when the isos had originally started um you know people were like they're freaks get them out of here and the way tron tried to keep the peace dyson got fucked up uh you saw them interacting between uh clue and flynn and by the way the voice actor did a did a really good job i thought uh it with Jeff Bridges yeah, impersonation? With the Jeff yeah, Bridges. it was really good. One quick thing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost think perhaps, and this kind of happens to a lot of things that are before their time. I would feel this would get a lot more attention if this, if this like came out like the year Trump got elected. Um, or maybe even after. Like just the the, the mirroring of the politics uh, yeah. is right there. <laughs> yeah. And then also I think people pay more attention to like children's animation the internet like shit can blow up now yes things are yeah Mm -hmm. that that kind of reminds you a little bit of how much the landscape has changed you know for all things right but especially for for this kind of meeting with animation there's a lot more attention paid into that there's much more, I think, of an appreciation and may I even say respect in some circles when it comes to shows like this. Because I, I feel that this um, – for for what this is and for where it – how good it would have become, to me, I think it would have been quite comfortable alongside a Clone Wars or 
an avatar uh, or a Korra or whatever have you. I think it was That's in that so way. That's so frustrating. Because <laughs> this is the first season right off the bat. It's like, oh, there's there's something here. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. Like, I think the, the 19 episodes are really good. When they're not delving into character, they're expanding the world in interesting ways. Um, right. Like, just going with Dyson, I, I, I like that they expand the... Um, and this is dumb nerdy shit, but like the weapons arsenal, like the shit they do, because Dyson right. had like a yo-yo type shit with his um mm-hmm. disc, but then uh, t- General Tesla, he has like those arms that like yeah. do, 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 that they like move, like um, I know you won't get this reference, but I want to make it um, Dark Side's lasers. In which they just kind of like move on command. It's mm. it's interesting. It's funny because in that same, I don't know if if uh, I were half listening to you, it almost sounded as if you said dark laser, which I think that's fairly odd parents, right? <laughs> that's um, fairly odd. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the little ways in which they did that, I thought were also cool. Um, like I said, with the whole Raylo thing, they page. When they explored her backstory mm-hmm. and the way that she was actually a medic, but she was into into music and she herself had the prejudice against ISOs, but she sort of tried to help them or at least yeah. keep their secret. But Tesla lied to her and that's what pushed her to be uh, in in the ranks in the army, Clue's army. Yeah, like immediately there's a lot of attention on that. And um, I think she's like, my favorite character in the show. Um, I love um, that kind of villain subplot on the road to redemption. It reminds me of like Nebula or Asajj Ventress, uh, those characters. Or Zuko. I mean, that's the ultimate, I think, villain to hear a redemption story. Or so. Kylo Ren. Or. <laughs> I would say it if I didn't just completely, you know, forget that movie exists. But I mean, what adds <laughs> insult to injury is Pavel is basically General Hux. Yeah, right. Or <laughs> <laughs> a more crazy fucked up General Hux. Yeah, he's kind of crazy. But great. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's also like, I mean, the, the show has, I feel, a lot of wonderful qualities to it that i think make it more than just standard uh fair and mm-hmm. you know one dimensional it's not just the story and the world and, and i guess you could also put in the politics which you know kind of um are the engine for how the world is in terms of you know the government infrastructure but um n- you know there's also there's no lack of humor in this as well. I mean, you you have uh, you know those moments not just with the villains, but of course with uh, you know uh, what's his name Beck's friends uh, Zed and Mara. Uh, and and kind of yeah. And I, go ahead. what I like is the show is committed to fleshing them out. All of them almost like mm-hmm. the thing about what I find striking about this is that I can name you all the characters kind of now. Yeah, and. I that should indicate to you that it made kind of an impression on me. So they kind of did their job, I feel. I'll tell you mm-hmm. this. I can name you all the characters and what they are now than 
I think in any of the Tron movies. <laughs> um, I can remember Flynn barely. Kevin Flynn, yeah. Kevin what Flynn. was his son's name? Sam? Yeah. Was it Sam? Yeah, it was. Okay. Well, they also right. scream it a lot in the film. <laughs> Sam! Sam. Yeah. Am I still to create the perfect system? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they recreate. <laughs> I would have, like, in that moment, like, don't say yeah. It's clearly a setup, asshole. Come on. You know but what, the way he says happening. it is so perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what are you getting at? But the, yeah, but that was, I do like how it expands all that includes like, you know, he can go wherever the fuck he wants. My goal was getting you out of the picture. Tron, because he, he's like, you know, yeah. what is he going to do without Tron? And then this, I definitely feel would have been expanded on a lot more in the future seasons, which was his um his first attempt at um a sort of a protege Cyrus Cyrus yeah because in it on my second viewing was when I finally it clicked and it probably shouldn't have taken that long because they say it in the show but in that in that two arc episode two episodes when they show what happened to Tron you know following the coup is the guard is Cyrus the one that helps him yeah. escape. And I didn't catch that the mm -hmm. first time. You know, that that's him. And then you know shit went down, but you don't they didn't they never explicitly show it. They just show him coming back for revenge, all crazy, like a Marvel villain. Um yeah. <laughs> but you know the show would have done some flashbacks and had an episode where he comes back and they really delve into what happened, what made him go crazy. And of course, Tron simply just locking him away. Um, that's similar to another something else. Oh, I guess because I just saw that Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> oh right, um, Odin With, and Hela. Yeah. And then of uh, of course Beck finds and figures it out. The sh and I do one. The show is pretty violent. And they can get away with that because de-resing has no blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good thing you you um you point that out because one of the things about um uh what I felt was missing from the movie is that I think this show almost completely from the beginning resolves is it humanizes these programs mm -hmm. you know it, it kind of i had a very cold um impression from what these things even were because while of course uh flynn sees them as individuals um it, it always came off as you know just you know every single uh program or iso is just a string of ones and zeros that didn't really make any, any kind of impact but here in just even the normal everyday settings of these programs they very much do mirror people in our world and that's why i think the world building is such a big success but it all in many ways comes like they have human emotions there's a subplot of a love interest here there's you know desires page wants to 
you know, basically be a musician where she wasn't programmed to do that. There's a lot of great concepts mm -hmm. that are thrown around in every which direction here. But it, when it came to the de-resing, that was actually one of the aspects from the movies that kind of like made me feel so distant from them because of just, oh, we'll just de-res you. And yeah, they scream, but what are they really? But in this essence, I feel you in, in this show, I feel that you can kind of uh, see the weight of what that is because we kind of begin with a de-resing. That's kind of the beginning yeah. of Beck's story is that his friend him. gets. Yeah. And it is so casual, right? Like, do what I say or I'll de-res you. Like, it, it is a little bit more uh, of a um, overt dictatorship in this world where it's like, yeah, we can kill you if you want and we'll have, we'll face no consequences. Like, in pretty violently so. Yeah. yeah, and I like how a lot of the show is just sort of dealing with the realities of trying to start an uprising. Mm. Like, I like that show where um, in the beginning, uh, and I, I really like the designs, they had these, their masks, they had like a smile or a digital smile where they're um, tagging Tron lives all over the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I and again, I like the digital aspect of regular things. It's sort of like when you take something in our world in Star Wars, but then you turn it space, um, goofy space type shit. Yeah, you know, like take a bar, turn it into a cantina, and or Ryan Johnson just took an iron and make it into an iron <laughs> <laughs> casino. You know, that kind of shit. I think that's cool. Yeah. That's part of the the thing that I really like about Star Wars. And I like that here with Tron too, where the digital tagging is sort of like, it kind of like grows, like it digitally, they like come up with it themselves and then like digitally spray it and then it grows to say what it's, um they had, Tron lives. But also mm -hmm. like at the end of the show, Oh, because it turns out his friend, I can't remember her name, the female. Mara? Mara, yeah. Yeah, she's a big Tron she, supporter. Yeah, she's a huge Tron fangirl, you could say. For, from the yeah. beginning, because the first episode, they get saved because they were, they were rounded up and they're going to be sent to the games on trains, which that's imagery for you. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, um... Also, another interesting aspect about what the show is, not, not to cut you off, mm -hmm. but like the games aren't really a focus of the show. They're there mm -hmm. and they're used in some episodes, but I'm surprised that, you know, because the games were a big part of the movies, it's almost kind of an afterthought in some ways compared to like the big picture. I agree. Why? Well, I. <laughs> I agree. Not that it's a complaint. I'm just like noticing yeah. that. I mean, it, it's not like it's completely like reduced to nothing. It's a presence and one that from our main character's perspective is quite disturbing. And it reminds you of the occupation and the tyranny of Clue and It's everything. a tool of the tyrannical. Right, yeah. right. But yeah, I, I guess I could see a version of the show where it's basically Tron but Braveheart. <laughs> yeah where it's almost solely focused on the games that kind of shit but i also feel like that could probably get old really quick yeah uh i i like the approach they took where it's there you have some episodes where it is a part uh, but even if the games aren't the central focus there's constantly 
you know, disc battles and the action is really good. And it is. And, yeah. you know, light cycle racing. Um, oh, but just we can say that in a moment. But just to go back in that episode where they were tagging. And I also love <laughs> the, the great moment where they're in the, the massive ship. And they they tag Tron lives onto the bottom mm-hmm. of the ship, so they're the sh- the ship itself is taking it, and you know General uh, Tesla is like, "Where's Tesla. that coming from?" Was, I think it's coming from us. And then <laughs> underneath <laughs> Tron lives, <laughs> but at the end, Beck basically admits, "I wasn't okay losing these people," and Tron says, "Then you shouldn't leave lead them." one day you know you might be able to stomach that and that one day when you can if they're truly part of the cause they'll still be there you know waiting to to have you lead them and Mm -hmm. i thought that was just a really interesting aspect of all the little intricacies intricacies and details of just these two people trying to kickstart a movement to try to kickstart a revolution as they say a million times and the the setbacks and the not the not so easy decisions you have to make because of that like the first no the second episode is when he gets you know, taken to the games and one guy's yeah. like I'm here because of the that goddamn renegade you, it's his fault they they tighten shit up and he tells him like hey don't worry you're gonna make it he don't make it <laughs> he doesn't make it and no. a part of him feels like shit you know that's me because I stirred up trouble and I like again for a kid's show it sh- it shows him die get derezzed and it doesn't shy away from that kind of shit uh, yeah I really like it I don't know I, I think it it's, does so much good shit Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, the act. Just to go to the action, there's a lot of really good action scenes and action beats yeah. throughout. They do a lot of really great and interesting things with the discs mm-hmm. and disc battles. And they had that one scene where they blew up the drill, and they're trying to race away from the drill because they were having um underground light bike races. At the same time that the drill blew up, so they're trying to outrace it. And visually, it's all stunning. It's really good. It really is. And with the discs themselves, um, I love how they they went from being a frisbee in the first movie (laughs) to being something like so really vitally important here. I love how I I even love how it was used in the movie, but obviously in, in Legacy. But here as well, there's just so much more. I feel. I don't want to overuse the word, but there's just much more weight to a program's disc. It's kind of everything they are. Yeah. It's their identity. We see episodes where they can lose who they very are by just being separated by it. Or we even have like certain programs that can erase certain memories to, you know, escape uh, the occupation. I liked that they had, um, they, again, they had the, like the underground CD layer of, of Argon city and they, right. where they would, um, because the disc, holds all your memory where they would manufacture memories and certain characters try to use this to their advantage to try and trick people they try and trick the uh the populace populace as a whole who tron is and say that oh tron's committing you know terrible acts and doing this and doing that 
they take exactly what I had wanted from Tron Legacy, cool concepts, the idea of the disc and it being your identity and this, just like every other thing from that film and then expanding on it and, and doing interesting, cool shit with it. And that was one of one mm-hmm. of the aspects, the, the issue with the discs and memory and forging discs. I just think all that shit's really cool. It really is. And I, I wonder if... um. Because I know that Star Wars Rebels came a while after this, or a couple years after this. I wonder if a little bit of the inspiration from those Inquisitor lightsabers came from this and how they were used in the show. Because it is kind of the core of an Inquisitor lightsaber, the circular, I think, the uh, way it spins. design of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, what's his name? He gets inspiration from everywhere, especially... Yeah, Mr. Filoni. Mr. Filoni, yeah. especially from Disney itself. So maybe, uh, I feel like he probably would have said something though, if it if it did. Maybe I mean, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons for why everything is the way it is. Yeah. I can't really <laughs> document all of them, right? <laughs> Unless like you're explicitly asked, like, "Hey, did you kind of get this idea from Tron?" And I mean, to be fair, I mean, Tron got a lot of inspiration from Clone Wars and how it was, how it looked as a series. The fact oh, that yeah. this, you know, this CG animation. It's. I think it's very. That's. It's very similar. I think to Clone Wars. Not yeah. in. Well, Clone Wars is was more. Not anthology, but what's the word? Episodic. episodic. Yeah, let's say episodic. Whereas mm-hmm. this is very much continually telling one story, right. serialized. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And they also like they brought in the. Uh, uh, it was like. Uh, a disc that you could add to your disc. It looked like a, a yeah. CD. And again, taking yeah. advantage of the technological world that would basically upgrade you <laughs> and make you faster, stronger, uh, but uh, just if you're Beck, then you put it on in your Beck 2.0. And the way that that kind of works, I thought was really cool. Again, taking advantage of a digital world. I think everything they do, right. that, that's really good. The increase, like I said, in weaponry and different cool weapons. I think General Tester even has a big old cannon shit that grows out of his hand at one point. That's when he yeah. tries to trap him, uh, trick him into coming. Right. But yeah, it it amazed me, 19 episodes, I really liked the characters and a lot of the side characters, mm-hmm. even the one-off ones. Like, uh, Especially since you say famously that it took you four years to give a shit about the characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it seems. Did, it, did I say your, four years? In, I don't think I said well, four you, Well, you said in season, well, not necessarily um, all of them. I think what you said in the season four review... Mind you, this is a long time ago at this mm-hmm. point. Um, I finally give a shit about all the characters. Um, I think that's what your line was. Um, from there. I so, don't remember. <laughs> this was... What, what What year that season four air? This was what? 2016? That's four years ago. 20, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it was a while ago. But yeah. Yeah. See, I have a long memory. <laughs> for I don't know why things. sometimes for certain things yeah but I feel like it, you make me feel crazy when you bring when you bring up I don't know like um things that you accuse me of saying and then I'm like I never said but that but you did or say you it. took me out of context no 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 yeah. 
Um, I guess to talk, but I uh, agree with you. Nineteen episodes. It is very impressive. I feel that you can not only uh, remember the characters, but like them. Mm-hmm especially in an animated series on Disney XD. And again, kind of in a similar fashion to when we speak of The Last Airbender, a program that had, no no pun intended, sorry, a television program um, that had a lot of um, depth to it um, and unique amongst what surrounded its block in the programming of that network. Yeah. Um, Right? So like, I don't I can't think of many Disney XD programs in general just as a start but at the time I I think that was the very beginning of Disney XD's existence so I can't really speak to like what around it maybe equaled in quality That's what also hurt it Yeah the ratings right <laughs> Disney XD I, I read that it had it had a massive debut I think it had 2 million viewers the first episode but then it just trailed off because it was almost exclusive. It was on Disney XD. And it, I mean, here's the thing about Disney XD that this may be a side tangent. Sorry about this. And I don't mean to like go into it. But when I got into Disney Channel um, in the early ish 2000s, um, at that time, they still had a healthy, um, a healthy serving of uh, animated programs. Yeah. Like, Proud Family, Kim Possible, Lilo and Stitch the series, Recess was still on. There was um, uh, American Dragon Jake Long. There's a whole bunch of them that were still uh, around. But as the uh, as the years waned on in that decade, uh, it seemed as if Disney Channel was just going the way of Zack and Cody, Wizards, Raven, Lizzie McGuire, all that stuff. And so it almost was an interesting divergence where they kind of created Disney XD as a way to be almost exclusively, uh, at least in the beginning, uh, animated content. Because it seems very much that Disney Channel's overall direction, and again, I kind of fell off in the late 2000s because, I mean, well, no doubt. Yeah. Um, look at where it went. But it seemed as if they just were chasing that, um, I don't know, a sitcom low quality sitcom standard and gimmick and that's kind of where it all went but then again if that's the case it didn't last very long because i know disney xd basically became disney channel 2.0 um with more of uh uh, of those same kind of like um live action live action type uh, sitcom style shows yeah then they started doing it so it wasn't consistent at that but this show, unfortunately, Tron was hurt by the fact that it was lumped off to a brand new network, which you had to at that point and still pay extra to yeah. have access to that channel. Such bullshit. But I, I think at that point, you got to remember that the I don't know how it was in the well, probably not the nineties, but definitely the early two thousands and to the early two thousand tens. Disney, at least it felt this way, had a real boy problem. They they lost the boy view, viewership. Because, and not to say that, you know, if you're a boy, you have to watch this, or you're a girl, you have to watch this. But at that time, you know, they were leaning hard into, well, their animated films weren't doing it anymore. 
And then Disney Channel was leaning hard into Hannah Montana, Camp Rock, High School Musical, musical, uh, which these things historically have tended to lean towards girls. So, and in in that regard, it was successful with girls and with that audience. Yeah, but they. I, I believe Disney at the time felt that they needed to help their boy demographic to get the, the boy viewership up. I can't imagine there wasn't also a link, not just with the viewership, but also with the sales of toys yeah. and merchandise. That also it I always think, plays a key factor that. in this. So right. that's why I believe they were trying to really kick off Tron. And also really kick off Disney XD from what I remember Mm -hmm. Disney. The reason it was Disney XD because it's like XD, you know, we're not like that little (laughs) sissy girl Disney channel. We're Disney XD. Yeah, that was very much the impression (laughs) from the color scheme of the promotional material of this new network. It was very, I think, overt in that, Mm -hmm. um, that that was what the message I think was supposed to be intended. Yeah. They were trying to get the the boys back to Disney. Uh, Again, they mostly failed. Then they threw their hands up and then just bought shit that historically boys already like, like star Star Wars and Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that did it. And then that was it. It was like, okay, why try and fix the problem when you can buy to fix the problem? So yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, where was I going from the very beginning of this? I don't know. The, en- the <laughs> I'm ending. Sorry, this was a side tangent. <laughs> yeah, that was the whole side thing. The ending of the show. The show ends. It ends on I think a really good cliffhanger because the sort of father figure, other than Tron, in Beck's life, including his friends, Abel, Abel who owns mm-hmm. the garage, and then. Which, by the way, and I don't want to cut you off uh-huh. again, but uh, is it my imagination or did that garage look exactly like the theme park attraction? At least the outside exterior of the garage uh, for the light cycle at um, Shanghai. I'd have to I, – I completely forgot how – because I've only seen the ride. I haven't seen like the waiting area. You haven't seen the outside of the building? No. I think it looks almost exactly like it. I'll look it up right now and send some photos. That's pretty cool. Not to cut you off, but But I also, I also, able, yeah. And I'm even backtracking a little bit. Because light cycles have always been such a big part of this universe, I like this idea that Mm -hmm. they live in a garage. And again, the way that they, that they fix the computers is basically coding, you know? (laughs) That's them being a mechanic. I love the, the, the digital shit that the way that they do that but abel he's even another character where you think he's he's just sort of the owner of the shop that's it who cares and then he grows across the first season and you realize the reason he was always on beck's ass is because he had this sneaking suspicion that he was the renegade and he was trying to protect him and Mm -hmm. it also turns out that he's been the one that's been keeping um tron alive this whole time or yeah you know he's been the one providing him with with supplies and he's trying to look out for him and then it of course ends with his death because what's his name uh tron's former protege cyrus cyrus 
Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. You know, he comes in all Jokerified. <laughs> or he comes in like uh, the Green Goblin. Now choose. Basically. <laughs> yeah. I need to see that movie again. It's been a while. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, God. Think about it, hero. Like, he he really comes in like that. <laughs> and that leads to the death of Abel. And that it's very Dark Knight-esque, where it's like... It is, yeah. Uh, he's able to turn the city against Tron. His friends are turned against Tron because they believe he's responsible for the death of Abel. And not only... In one swift stroke, you kind of negate the entire gains of the first season. Yeah, it's a huge setback. Mm -hmm. Uh, and but that not on, only that Cyrus not Cyrus yeah Cyrus has gone back to uh snitch like the bitch he is to clue that Tron is still alive and the, and the, and it ends with claw not claw clue with his massive armies you know landing in Argon which I'm sure would have Again, just the ramifications for what a second season, could, where it could have gone and what it could have done and how it could have expanded on all these characters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, at that point, um, at that point in the series, Clue was already aware Tron survived because of Dyson. Dyson, that's who it was. W what did I say? You were saying Cyrus. Cyrus, darn it. Okay, sorry. I told you I'm bad with names. Dyson found mm -hmm. out because Tron revealed himself. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then he sent that message and that, and back the, to to Clue. Right, the rest of the series that they're they're working on some secret project, which ends up being like a massive helicarriers. I guess that's what they were they were bad guy whatever bad guy called. helicarrier to come in. Right, right, and bring. And I haven't looked this up, but I think it's true. Is that the city Argon in the show is the same city from Tron Legacy? I don't oh, remember. Okay. I don't know. But again, if it is, that also tells us like there's a lot more to the grid that we haven't seen. Because in, yeah. in the beginning uh voiceover, it says like on the farthest ends of the grid and on a, on the city, you know, when can he be the next Tron? But it tells you like the grid is infinitely bigger than we think it is and what we've been shown in either the first season or Tron Legacy. And I assume further seasons would move out of Argon City and maybe explore other areas of the grid. And that would have uh -huh. been really interesting to see. But, you know, low ratings. <laughs> but I guess you can see my frustration now and my anger when that they gave up Tron because I think if yeah. they would have kept at it if they would have kept making movies and TV shows it really would have developed into something genuinely amazing it, it that yeah. could have like without a shadow of a doubt stand next to Marvel and Star Wars and these other big franchises right now it's almost a shame that um it wasn't the case because it would have given more of an opportunity for it to have um, gained its own like rabbit following to where like 
Well, you see how they were how the Clone Wars was brought back mm-hmm. um, because of how you know how big the fan base had grown, and like Tron Uprising would be something kind of cool on Disney Plus, considering since they have nothing fucking else right now. But even then, I think also if you weren't going to even continue any of that, which on one side it would be you know whatever, but you kind of. With Tron Uprising, if they wanted to do a high budget live action Tron TV show, you have a you have a blueprint for how you can do it and do it well. That's why I when we were talking about uh Disney Plus shit that they could make, that's why I was screaming, do a live action Tron show. Like I can understand mm. if they're apprehensive about doing a movie. That's fine. Don't do a movie. Do a live action Tron show. Because I guarantee you, there's one, there's so little shit on Disney Plus. Anything new, people are going to eat that shit up. And if it's good, that'll create an interest in further projects. And people mm -hmm. will just know it because it's something besides The Mandalorian. Yeah. It's it's a. (laughs) I mean, that's. (laughs) Big budgeted uh, live action Disney Plus show. So all the Diz fans are going to lose their shit. Also. When I was saw the technology that they utilized on the Mandalorian, all I could think of was this is perfect for Tron. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, and we're just to be clear about that, we're uh, referencing a particular. I think they what did they call it? The what was the name of it? Um, this this contraption they have. Um, you can find out about this on uh, the Gallery Show. Which is kind of the making behind I mean, the Mandalorian on Disney Plus. Not to cut you off, but think about it. The fact that a a behind the scenes show is con- like considered so big by Disney fans that they're watching weekly. You don't think a fucking Tron show <laughs> could gain some traction? Yeah, but go ahead. Well, that's kind of half their programming is behind the scenes stuff. The Imagineering story, uh, prop culture, the gallery show. It's like. Uh, half of the stuff that they have is just basically how we made this stuff yeah. that you like. It aren't we awesome? Look behind the scenes at how awesome we are. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically that shit. But yeah, no, I I don't know. I I I want to call it a hollow deck. Um, <laughs> it's basically this contraption where um, it you're surrounded in a 360 environment of LED screen walls, and the actors can see themselves in the world. So instead of acting against a blue screen or a green screen, you basically are put in the environment in a virtual aspect. But it's not even there just for the actors, you know. So No, of course not. It's, that's yeah, it's, it. It's, it's that's yeah. the show. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's the visual effect. It's, yeah. If you could imagine it, it's basically of if the CG world was already created and then just laying mm. on the green screen. Like, yeah. all, it's just there. It's done. And, and it was so good, the crew themselves couldn't distinguish between what was an actual prop or set and what was the LED screen. I feel so many fucking uh, people that worked on the job were just stumbling around, walking into screens. <laughs> because I would look at the look at it and be like, oh, this is CG. Because I was watching the, the behind-the-scenes shit. But then they'd move the camera, and it's like, oh no, they're in the holodeck thing. Like they, they this yeah. isn't green screen. And and then they would move, and it's I would think like, oh, that rock is part of the holodeck. Like no, they 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 just put one 
big ass rock, plastic rock there to sort of be part of the environment. But I could totally see a troncho just bring in, you know, a bike, build the bike, and then just have them <laughs> yeah. just on the screen. Especially since, and it's another uh, little bit of a tangent, but just real quick. So in that episode, the prison episode of The Mandalorian, where you see Deborah Chow and Dave Filoni have their cameos on X-Wings, mm-hmm. there were that X-Wing was one that was made for Galaxy's Edge. And they were using it before it was shipped to Orlando for Walt Disney World. That's how you save money. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah, how you save money. So. That's pretty funny. But yeah, I don't know. I have belief in Tron. Tron lives. <laughs> the ingredients are there. I think it took them... Tron lives. I mean, uh, Ahsoka lives. Made You know, that something came out of it. Coulson lives. Something came out of it. Maybe if we could do Tron lives. Get it to Hopefully trend. Hopefully something can come out of there it. There are dozens yeah. of us. Dozens. Um, yeah, I, d- I just... Just, it took them 30 years to get it right. And then right when they got it, (laughs) we're done with you. Uh, It sucks. It does. Uh, But I'm glad you enjoyed it. You you finally reached something you genuinely liked with this property. Yeah. It only took three tries. Mm. Um, Overall, though. Um yeah, and again, you can even like, oh God, I feel like it's it's so offensive to me how we have executives at Disney beside themselves, like not one knowing what to do for programming. When like, I keep saying, how many shows over the even the last decade have you cut off that you can just easily start back up just for programming? Yeah. There are and a lot have, of them already have built-in yeah. fan bases. Tron Uprising, here we go. Just do it. I mean, Agent Carter or uh, the Muppets TV show. There's so many of these shows. Well, they're doing yeah. something for Muppets yeah. now, called Muppets Now. Yeah. You, did you see the trailer um, I sent? No, I did. Did they replace Kermit? Right? Yeah. It doesn't sound like him at all. I then I won't watch it. Like I'm not a stickler for these kinds of things, uh, but it just doesn't sound like him. It's so crazy. It, you gotta hear it just just to hear his voice. Uh, apparently, I was reading some comments. They got the the person that does the voice for Big Bird to do. Um. Kermit because there was some falling out with the voice of Kermit. Yeah. I don't know. But I I feel like you could have easily found someone to do a better Kermit impression. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, do you got anything else you want to say? Or? Well, we should uh, uh did you I wanted to just real quick touch upon the the theme park ride. I sent you oh, a photo. Yeah, I looked oh. at it. That yeah, it does look like I agree. It does look like um, sort of the overlay top glass uh, roof that they have right. for uh, Abel's Garage. They definitely took that from it. And I just have a question. So, like, 
was this is this property like popular in China? Like so like years after all of the Tron stuff is abandoned, they make it a theme park ride. I thought this was That's Japan. Very, no, this was China, Shanghai. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Sorry. Um it is just strange because Disney, even with some of the most popular IPs, still don't have a theme park presence. But Tron? And it's a big after one. After all the plans, it, it's it's not only as big in terms of like scale and money that they put into developing it and building it, but it also is very popular. So popular, in fact, that uh, a replica of this is being added to uh, the Orlando theme park, Magic Kingdom. See, I'm telling you, there, there, there can be a widespread fan base for this. You just need a good story, and mm-hmm. I, I think people can already attach themselves to the world. They just need characters along with it, and then once you give them that, it can be big. I, I really, really do think so, and hopefully, mm-hmm. I think this is the best bet. The fact that. If their attractions keep, you know, bringing in crowd sizes, especially in China. There's even rumors, um, even though a lot of theme park uh, enthusiasts very much um, put doubt on those rumors because of the size capacity issues of Disneyland. There's been rumors swirling that they even want to bring the Tron light cycle ride to the Tomorrowland in Disneyland. It would fit perfect. Hey. Oh my god. Get take out Autopia, the one get that you hate. Autopia the <laughs> fuck out of there. Put some light cycles. It oh. Baby, you got a stew going. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Do are there fans? Because I know Disney fans are crazy, but are there fans of that automata shit? You mean Autopia? Autotopia, whatever the fuck. Peter, when it comes to the Disney parks world, you can bet your ass that there are fans for even a park bench somewhere. Like, and they will throw a riot on social media if it gets moved. There was a little corner alley called the Court of Angels in New Orleans Square that got a lot of online hate because Disney wanted to expand just a little bit uh, Club 33 and take that away. So every single minutia of disney parks in particular disneyland i mm-hmm. feel has its own dedicated following yes i i can tell you that there would be people who would be very upset i wouldn't be one of those in fact i think um autopia can work if you completely overhaul it and make it better i feel like it's kind of worn out it's welcome if i'm being honest with you <laughs> I I say do what they did with Splash Mountain, retheme it, Tron, make those turn the cars into bikes, make it go like fifty percent faster. Yeah, you're good. You're golden. I think it'd be a hit. I think it'd be a success because think... uh, it clearly has been that way in Shanghai. Yeah. Um, and that Splash Mountain stuff, just to be clear, that's relatively recent, and that came as a shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, today being what june 25th is that the day that is today i don't i don't don't keep count anymore june 25th 2032 (laughs) yeah this was the day that they announced that 
Splash Mountain would replace its Song of the South uh, overture with uh, <laughs> the Princess and the Frog uh, theming, which, again, that's not something that's alien to them. They've done that a lot of times. Like, uh, Tower of Terror, uh, you know, what, they replaced the Twilight Zone theming with Guardian of the Galaxy. That's one that um, I... They, yeah. What? I wasn't... I like Tower of Terror. I thought that was yeah. cool. I'd never written the ride because fuck drops. I don't like drops and rides. <laughs> but just the theming of Tower of Terror I thought was cool. But at the end of the day, it's like yeah. every literally everything's going to get changed over time. And Walt Disney was probably would have been cool with that anyway. He's gone. I think there's many quotes that can say that where he says that yeah. he was totally cool like with, with, with it. In fact, he was adamant that it should change update as with, the years went yeah. on. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Splash Mountain. Well, I don't care about Splash Mountain. I've never had like a an affinity or like closeness to mm. it. So right. I really like Princess and the Frog, though. So them changing that. That's that's. I think that's a win that mm. it gets some kind of a presence right yeah. in these parks, and the fact that they give it a major marquee one. Like Splash Mountain is one of the marquee attractions uh, for Disney. Prin- Princess so. and the Frog one, Moana zero. <laughs> I do think there is a Moana attraction in one of the Asian parks um, coming. That's cool. So. <laughs> but it ain't retheming Splash Mountain. But yeah, I, I think. Yeah. I think that's cool. They should definitely do that uh, for Automata. Because I, I don't even think kids like that shit. It's like bumper cars. Except mm-hmm. slower, and you're not yeah. allowed to bump into people. What the fuck is that? I, <laughs> the original, you know, idea for it was to give kids a chance to drive something, which you know, at that point when it was, I think, in I don't know what the fifties or sixties mm-hmm. when it opened, um, that was kind of what Walt Disney had intended for it was to give kids somewhat of an experience of driving but now bumper cars could... exist yeah like it, it, it's and and times change it's ne- it's necessity is gone i it's it's time yeah. to change it with something um in the past i would have said maybe they would have done something star wars but they got that covered now uh there also were talks before uh galaxy's edge i do remember coming across rumors that um that said that they, that they wanted to, at the very least, massively retheme half of Disneyland's Tomorrowland mm-hmm. to Star Wars, including changing Autopia. I, I think this was a credible rumor into um, the uh, Forest Moon of Endor, the speed bikes. Oh, yeah, that would have been something cool. like that. Um, yeah. but it's also not futuristicy. Because yeah. you're kind of in a, a redwood forest. Yeah, I get the spirit. And, I think, and besides, then came the idea of Galaxy's Edge. And I think that's much more preferable. Yeah, uh, overall, that it had its own dedicated space God, and a bigger. Space. I should have been to the Rise of the Resistance ride by now. I know, right? <laughs> we were planning on going, and all of those plans went up in flames, like this country. Mm-hmm. But so the hope, yeah, Tron. I think is the, the hope, hope is if Tron keeps doing really well, 
mm -hmm. you know, wherever it's built, the other rides in foreign countries, that they finally go like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Let's bring it to the to Disneyland. And maybe that might even coincide with like, hey, we're going to do a new show. So at the same time, we'll retheme it. You know, synergy. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a perfect world to me, but we don't live in that world, so. Oh well. Anyway, Tron Uprising, ending Tron Month on a good note. I really liked it. I think you really liked it. Mm-hmm. Take it away. Alright, well, thank you all for listening to these uh, series of shows, and thank you to Peter for insisting on this. Overall, I think it was... Uh, I think a positive thing to you know to watch this, and I hope that all those that are listening, uh, if not already, went about the way of watching this as well. We have more content coming for to the table, and we will announce it uh, when I think we can clear the schedule a little bit because right now we're kind of jam packed. But um, yeah, thank you for listening to the table. Uh, thank you, Peter, for all of this, and uh, catch all of our programs on Red Spotlight Network. With our feeds at Castbox, Spotify, Apple Music, Red Spotlight, Fantasy Fair, Bon and Beyond, um, all that and more. And until next time, bye bye. <laughs>